Uh, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for being here with us in this place. You're an amazing and awesome God. And we can't even fathom you, but you're still here with us. And that's incredible. We offer ourselves to you today. We offer ourselves to you for always. Um, please be with us today. Please be with us in the pastor. Please be with us and let him speak the words of your truth uh, into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Peacock and the Crane, an Aesop's fable. There once was a peacock who often boasted about his beauty. Every day he would walk to the bank of a large lake and would look at his reflection and say, Oh, what a beautiful bird I am. Look at my colorful tail. There is no one more beautiful than I. One day when the peacock was admiring his reflection in the lake, a crane came down to the bank of the lake as well. The peacock said with a sneer to the crane, What a colorless bird you are. You have no beautiful and colorful feathers like me. The crane replied, Well, of course I don't have beautiful feathers, but my feathers can make me fly across the lake. Can your feathers make you fly? There was no reply from the crane. All right, Christ Church, good to be with you this morning. I'm Pastor Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and it's a blessing to be in worship, to sing with you, and to get together around God's Word. Good morning to you, those of you in the upper room, and those follow, following along online as well. It's good to be in God's house this morning. We do continue with this sermon series that we are in the midst of, My Big Fat Mouth. It's one of those sermon series I feel like everybody can relate to. Yeah? Okay, good. So it's a sermon series that's been challenging. It's meant to challenge. It's meant to grow us. It's meant to uh, really take us to a place where we can examine our habits, examine the way in which we use our words, and relate to those around us. So uh, Pastor Bob did a great job last week setting up the rest of the series, really establishing a framework that we can operate in for the next couple of weeks, including this week. And it has to go with a really basic principle that you're going to be hearing us repeat now over and over and over. If you remember last week, Pastor Bob brought us to a place where he started talking about the mind of Christ. He started talking about the mind of Christ. And it's got to do with an underlying premise that, that if we want to, to sound like Jesus, if we want to emulate Jesus' words, emulate his actions, if we want to speak like Jesus spoke, and whether you're a Christian and you believe that he's the Son of God, or whether you just think he's a cool dude who had some great things to say, pretty much everybody can agree. Jesus and emulating his words and his mindset would be really helpful and healthy in today's world, in today's culture. And so Pastor Bob uh, challenged us to adopt Christ's mind, the mind of Christ. And it's got to do with this basic principle. What is in your mind, what you think about, the way that you think, the patterns of thought that you have will transfer and translate out your mouth. What's in your mouth, excuse me, in your mind comes out your mouth. That's the way it works. 
That's why he was able to talk about complaining last week. And he talked about moving from from a mindset of complaining to a mindset of contentment that's going to change the way that you speak. And so if you want to change your big fat mouth, you need to change the way you think. You need to train your mind in order to train your mouth. Because whatever's in your mind, that's what comes out your mouth. Like I said last week, Pastor Bob took us from complaining and that, that mentality of complaining and then the words of complaining to a place of being content, being grateful, having gratitude, and that influencing then our speech. This morning, more specifically, we're going to talk about criticism, criticizing. We're going to talk about criticizing and, and what it is like for us to commit to training our minds and therefore our mouths to move from, from criticism to being positive and affirming and constructive in our speech. Moving from, from tearing people down to building others up. From criticism to being constructive. I tried to find a word image that would help capture a sense of what is it like when, when you receive criticism from somebody and what is it like when you are, are built up and encouraged when someone lends you constructive words. Here's the image that I arrived at. Now, which one do you think is criticizing and has received a word of criticism? The one on the left, right? You ever felt like that? You ever felt that before? You ever been criticized? That's a pretty good image. That face, what's going on there, inside, outside, the same is true when someone affirms you. When someone speaks a positive, encouraging word that builds up your character, that builds up your self-worth, that builds up your person. You can't help but smile when someone gives you a compliment, yes? For the purposes of what I'm talking about the rest of this morning, When we talk about criticism, we're talking about what is it like to tear someone down verbally. When we talk about being constructive in our words, we're talking about building someone up. Fair to say that this is an important topic in today's world and in today's culture? Yes? You bet. Both personally as well as publicly, I guarantee that you have been in environments and experienced probably criticism. Maybe you've given criticism. Hopefully you've also experienced what it is to receive a constructive positive word and what it is to give a constructive positive word. Now this is not a new phenomenon. This issue and this challenge of moving from being critical to being constructive is not new. And even within the church, uh, newsflash, the church is full of broken people. We all have issues. We all, all have struggles. And this is one of those things that we all tend to struggle with is this whole criticism thing. This is not new in our church and in our church life. In fact, if you go back to the early church, the early church, when, when this whole Jesus thing really got going, when this whole Jesus thing really started getting some momentum, they really struggled with the issue of being critical, having a lot of criticism in the church itself. 
Now, the church was dealing with some things that are unique to that time and place, but they were also were dealing with things that continue to be a debate today. One of the early major theological debates of the day is one that you and your household continue to wrestle with here and now. I mean, this is such a big thing. I mean, this is so monumentous that I guarantee you have had not only conversations about this, but probably heavy debates over this, and that that you have gotten passionate about your stance in regards to what I'm about to show you. Guaranteed you've had a theological moment in time in life where you have dealt with this problem. It is a very challenging decision. Okay. How many of you, when you order the pizza, get vegetarian? A couple hand Okay, a couple, a couple. How many of you go for me lovers? And the Gentiles have it. <laughs> no, and believe it or not, this was like an issue. This was actually a, a huge, monumental issue back in the day. When the early church first got started, they were having this issue around what you ate, what, you, what, what food you consumed. You see, there was one church in particular, the Church of Rome. Go figure, where pizza, right? Rome, pizza, Italy. The church in Rome really struggled with this debate. It's Friday night. You're about to go hang out. You're swinging by and grabbing the pizza for family movie night. And the issue was, are you going vegetarian or are you going meat lovers? It was a big issue then. It's a big issue now. Specifically for then, though, it had a little bit more context to it. You see, the people in the early church of Rome lived in a Roman culture. They had a lot of different Roman gods. Rome and Christianity, they got along well, but it was only one option of many. Okay? It was only one option of many. And so when you would go to, for example, the Roman Forum. Anyone ever been to the Roman Forum before? You guys ever been to the Roman Forum? Okay, a couple of handholds. Yep, a couple of hands. Uh, I've been to the Roman Forum myself. I've walked down the Roman Forum. It's beautiful architecture. It's, it's all these broken down uh, edifice and, and whatnot. And as you walk by, you're actually walking by old temples. You're walking past old temples. And Rome had a whole slew of these other religions with other Temples, Christianity was only one religion among, uh, among many. And in the process of worship in Rome, at these old temples, you would bring animals to sacrifice. They practiced animal sacrifice, okay? So you would bring your animal to the temple in, or, in order to, to do the sacrifice. Now the priests would take the animal, they would go through the process of doing the sacrifice, and they would take certain parts of the animal, and they would burn them, and it would be this, this ritualistic practice. And yet, not the whole animal would be consumed. And so if you bring a cow to the temple, the guy might take the liver, he might take the intestines, he might take some certain parts of the cow, but there's a whole lot of meat left over. It's a big cow. Well, the temples figured out that they could start selling cold cuts out the back. They started making pepperoni pizza. That's what started happening. You would bring your animal for sacrifice. There were leftovers, and you would get to take those leftovers home and make some pizza with it. Now, if you're a good Christian in that early church, and you're walking along, and you want to bite a pizza, the question became, 
Can you have a meat lover's pizza knowing that the meat was used and involved in other religious practices? That's actually a legitimate concern. Is it wrong to eat the meat that was involved in a sacrifice to a whole different God, a whole different religion? You're a Christian trying to live following Jesus Christ. You believe in his life, his death, his resurrection, and you want to follow the way of Jesus. But does that mean that you can eat the meat that was used in other religious practices? Some of the Christians in Rome said, yeah, what's the big deal? Of course, order me up a big slice. Not everybody. Some Christians said, are you kidding me? You can't do that. You, you can't eat the meat that was involved in a religious practice to, to, to a totally different God. You, you got to do vegetarian. You got to eat vegetables. No meat, man. Meat's not on the menu. You need to be eating vegetarian. And what started as a legitimate concern what are we going to do? How are we going to solve this? What are we, what, what's your position and what's your stance around this? It got more and more heated. It, it got more and more complicated as people weighed in. And eventually what started to happen is that Christians that were part of the same church started criticizing one another. Ah, oh, you're a weak Christian. Ah, oh, you don't really believe you don't really have any faith. You, you eat the meat. Are you kidding me? You eat meat. You're, no, no, you're not a real dedicated Christian. Well, you're a vegetable. Are you kidding me? You're a vegetable guy? That's, that's, that's nothing. It's a waste. You don't, you don't even really practice the Christian faith. And they started criticizing one another. And things got so bad that a different area of the world, a pastor in the early church heard about it, found out about it, and wrote about it. Paul, his name is Paul. He's a pastor in the early church. He's one of the apostles that we look to as being kind of a foundational person in understanding Christianity. The apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, wrote a letter to the Roman church addressing, in part, this specific issue. And the fact that people had let it gotten so blown out of proportion that they had now spent more time using their big fat mouths to criticize one another. He writes about it in Romans chapter 14. This is, comes from the book of Romans in the Bible. It's in the New, part of the New Testament, the latter part of the Bible. Uh, he writes this letter, Pastor Paul, and he says this, For instance, one believes it's right to eat anything. You want meat lovers? Go for it. Another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. That's the vegetarians. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. Those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. See, what had happened in the church, their concern for the issue had slipped into criticism of a person. Their concern over the issue 
had slipped into criticism of a fellow believer in Jesus Christ. That happens with us too. Where you and I, we go about our lives and certain things happen in which we have opinions, we have thoughts, and we have concerns. And yet how quickly, how easily do we slip into the habit of criticizing a person rather than talking through an issue? The word that the Bible gives to us, that Jesus gives to us, that God wants us to to understand is, look, as you train your minds, whatever is in your mind is going to come out your mouth. So whatever you train your mind for is going to to impact what you say and speak. So, So recognize and understand in your mind this basic principle and be on guard, be careful of it. That, that too often concern can slip into criticism. We recently had an election. Hopefully you voted. I'll be honest with you. Uh, while I, I uh, took full responsibility of voting and appreciate and value that practice, it is so very important. I hope you participated in it. I am also glad that it's over. Why? I'm glad that it's over. I'm glad the criticism is over. And I'm not even talking about politician on politician. I'm talking about people on people. People to people criticizing one another, not allowing concern to stay concerned, but so easily, so quickly slipping into criticism. Come on, how many of y'all on Facebook, social media, Instagram, something? You guys on that stuff? Come on, how many of you guys social media account of some kind? How many of you just like, it's election season, I'm just not even getting close to that stuff? Right? Why? Because it gets so volatile. I mean, downright nasty, doesn't it? It gets nasty. Why? Because concern moves into criticism so quickly and easily. And we start bad-mouthing each other. We start tearing other people down instead of building people up. And it's not only elections. I mean, this is in so many areas of our lives. This happens between spouses. Your spouse does something that bothers you, that, that gets you frustrated, that gets you anxious. And rather than talking out your concern, we click over into criticism. I can't believe you. Are you serious? You did. I mean, even small things. But the small things add up. You come home and there's dishes still in the sink. You didn't do the dishes. Are you kidding me? You had all day. That stuff comes out of our mouths. Because we haven't done a good job training our minds. happens with our kids, happens with our work environments, happens at the grocery store. And the challenge 
the challenge that is put to us, the critique, the feedback, the honest and transparent word that is extended to God's people is to do this different. Is to move from those habits of, of, of criticizing people to having a totally different mindset that builds people up. To move from criticism to construction. The Apostle Paul talks about it like this. Again, addressing that same, this is part of that same letter. That's in that same letter to the same people. He says, look, let us aim for harmony, well-being, peace in the church. And this is beyond the church. This is peace in your marriage. This is peace in your relationship to your kids. This is peace in your workplace. This is peace in your relationships and friendships. Let harmony and peace reign there. And instead, try to build each other up. Don't tear down. Don't tear apart. Build up. Don't tear apart. And then he really, he nails it. He really gets after it. He says, don't tear apart the work of God. That's a convicting word. Don't tear apart the work of God. In other people. When you criticize someone and tear them down, you're not only tearing down a person, you're tearing down the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is built in and through people. So when you tear people down, you're tearing the kingdom of God down. That's big. Conversely, when you build people up, when you offer them a word of encouragement and affirmation, a word that says that they're worth something, when you build them up, you're building up the kingdom of God. I mean, this is what Jesus did. I mean, give me one example in the Bible. Give me one example of all the stories that, that, that are out there about Jesus, where, where someone who's broken and hurting came to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, yeah, you really stink at that whole sin thing. You ever read that? I haven't seen that. Wow, you got some serious issues. You got, you got, you got, you're messed up. You got problems. Does Jesus say that? No. He says, you're worth something to me. He says, I love you, and I value you. Jesus says, the whole world is coming crashing down around you. You have no self-esteem. Everybody else in this world is critical of you. But I love you. I care about you. Man, I got plans. I got purposes for your life. I can, I can build the kingdom of God in eternity in you and through you. I love you. I forgive you. That's what Jesus speaks to you, to me. And in doing so, speaking words of grace, Jesus Christ builds his kingdom, one heart, one life, one person at a time. You need to hear this this morning. You are loved. You are cared for. God cares about you. I care about you. The people of this church, we care about you. We value you.
And despite all the criticism and the baggage that you probably are carrying and dragging right now, you need to know there is another word and another way of living life, and that is being built up into the image that God desires for you in your life. In Christ Church, we need to be committed to building that in people, in our communities, in our homes, in our spouses, in our children. We need to build people up and build the kingdom of God to become a people who construct. Even physically, we are constructing. Why? To build lives, not to tear down but build lives that carry forth the kingdom of heaven. That, that's what Paul's talking about. So, what does this mean practically, tangibly? A couple things. One, here's how you can start training your mind. Here's a simple question, simple, profound question that you can start thinking about Think about it before you speak. What's in your mind comes out your mouth. So train your mind to ask this question. And in doing so, you will train your mouth. Here's the question. Everybody, come on, upper room as well. Let's read it all together. Ready? One, two, three. Does this tear down or does this build up? Basic question, powerful question. Before you speak, ask this question. Is this going to tear somebody down? Is what I'm about to say to my friend, my companion, my colleague, my child, my spouse. Is is what I'm about to say going to tear them down or is it going to build them up? Is it going to be a word of grace and encouragement and affirmation? Is it going to point them to Jesus? This is not just simply self-help, okay? This is not a self-help seminar. This is building the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. And so is what I'm going to say build the kingdom of heaven in this person's life. Does this tear down? Does this build up? That's a great question. I want to encourage you to carry with you the rest of the week. And think about how that's going to move you from being critical to constructive in your speech. Now, before we close, though, I do want to address a couple more things because there are some other things that relate to this topic. A quick note about those who take everything as criticism. Okay, those of you who have, uh, frankly, low self-esteem, those who who have uh, suffered and been victim to such oppressive environments in life that that you, when you look at yourself, you're just you're just really struggle with low self-esteem. You're going to be especially susceptible to to finding criticism for everything. I have a word for you. Don't confuse criticism with critique. Critique is honest, real feedback that's ultimately going to build you up. It can sometimes feel like a hard word. It can be challenging. But it's meant and intended to build you up. Those who give critiques, bear in mind, don't slip back into criticism. There is a difference. The biggest thing that I want to recommend for you, if you struggle with this, create the right space for critique. Create a space for critique. Uh, Those of you in business environments, this is particularly important. Rather than just going to your colleague and chewing on them because it didn't go the way you wanted, it didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to be, it wasn't what you had hoped or aspired for, rather than just showing up at their cubicle and just ripping them a new one, 
create the right environment. Sit down, talk with them over coffee, over lunch. This is between spouses as well. I practice this in my marriage. If there's an honest word that my wife and I need to talk through, if there's a concern that we have, we sit down at the kitchen table and the kids have gone to bed and we weigh into the conversation with transparency, with some ground rules. We're not going to slip into criticism. We're going to stay healthy and constructive. And we're going to provide honest critique that we need to work on this or we need to address this. We do this every week on Tuesday mornings as a church body with me and the staff. And you know what they tell me? Pastor Andrew, you went over again. Guess what? They're right. That's honest, and I need to hear that, though, because it holds me accountable. And I need to work at that. Second word, though, I want to give for those of you who find it so easy, critique, that every word is dripping out of your mouth is a criticism to somebody. I want to specifically ask and invite you to remember context. Remember the context of the life that you're speaking into. Let me give you a simple example. Uh, I have a two-year-old. You, I've shared this before. I have a two-year-old, Annalise. Prior to having my two-year-old, when I would go into uh, the, the grocery store and I would see a parent with a two-year-old screaming on the floor, I didn't have a lot of context. We'll say it like that. Now I remember context that I'm a far less likely to criticize because I realize and I understand what's going on in that person's life. I've been there and I understand. And so I don't just simply criticize them. Instead, if anything, I need to push myself to give them a compliment. Those of you who struggle with criticism, the easiest and best, most effective tool that you can start employing right away is giving compliments. Go out of your way to train yourself to compliment people. Small compliments, big compliments, you can be about anything. It doesn't even have to be related to the context of the conversation that you're having with a person. It doesn't have to be about work if it's at work. You can just compliment them on anything. And through that practice of employing compliments you'll begin to shift your attitude and shift your mind. You're going to move from being critical to be more constructive in your speech. Remember, whatever is in your mind, this is ultimately a mind issue. My big fat mouth is a mind thing. What's in your mind is going to come out your mouth, so you need to train your mind in order to train your mouth. And in doing so, you can move from being someone who focuses on complaining to contentment. Someone who so quickly criticizes to someone who builds people up, who builds the kingdom of God up. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we come before you with confession first and foremost, recognizing and acknowledging the brokenness that so easily clings to us, that too often we slip in our concern for a situation or circumstance, we slip into criticism. Forgive us. We need your forgiveness this morning. And yet we boldly ask for it, knowing that it is there because of your person, because of Jesus Christ, because of what he has done and accomplished in his life, his death, his resurrection, that he came to build his kingdom. And so we ask and we invite those words of grace that we need. We invite them into our lives and we ask, may we now be a vehicle a partner with you in building your kingdom here on earth, building people up and not tearing those around us down. Lord, construct your kingdom through us, your gathered people. 
move us from being critical and criticizing to being a people that build eternity, life, hope, grace in people's lives. We ask this, we pray this, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen.